A Telltale Pod Production. Charlie Changes Into a Chicken by Sam Copeland and illustrated by Sarah Horn. Charlie was walking down the school corridor with two of his three best friends, Mosen and Wogan. You serious? You actually turned into a spider, Mosen said to Charlie, eyes wide. You believe me, said Charlie with relief in his voice. My mum didn't. Course she didn't. Adults never believe anything. That's what friends are for. Mosen said wisely. Mosen had a PS4 and an Xbox, but he had five sisters, so that balanced out, Charlie thought. Mosen and Charlie had become best friends on their first day of reception, when Charlie had been too shy to ask to go to the toilet and, well, you can guess what happened. You don't need it spelled out. It happens to everybody, okay? Even your mum or dad might have had a little accident in their pants at one time or another. Go ask them. If you don't believe me, go right now, yes. Go on, I'll wait. I told you they had. And if they are reading this book out loud to you, have a look and see if they're blushing. And if they are blushing, they definitely remember having an accident in their pants. And if they aren't blushing, they are probably not human, and you are almost certainly robots. In which case you need to check by tickling them. If they laugh, they are human, because robots aren't ticklish. Anyway. Back in reception, Mosen had been kind and hadn't laughed at Charlie and had helped him to the toilet. Charlie had tears pricking at his eyes, but Mosen told him how he had pooed his own pants on the bus a few weeks earlier and the whole bus smelled of poo. That made Charlie laugh and from that moment on they had been best friends. So you were like Spider-Man, Wogan said, his eyes as wide as Mosen's. Wogan was the second of Charlie's best friends, and he was awesome at football, but all the girls in his year kept trying to kiss him. So that balanced out, thought Charlie. Wogan was tall, with unruly hair. No, not at all, Charlie replied. Spider-Man is a human with the powers of a spider, because he got bitten by a radioactive spider. Spider-Man was as big as a human, and looked like a human. 
I was the size of a spider and looked like a spider. I had eight legs. I wasn't Spider-Man. I was just... Charlie thought for a moment. I was just... Spider, I suppose. The three boys pondered this as they approached their classroom. So why did it happen then? Wogan asked. You know, Spider-Man got bitten by a spider. The Incredible Hulk got radioactivized, And Iron Man got hit on the head by an iron when he was a baby? That's not how Iron Man became Iron Man, Wogan, Mosin said, shaking his head. I know what your brother told you, but it's not true. Anyway, Iron Man doesn't count because he doesn't even have special powers like Charlie. He's just rich and puts on a robot suit. I don't have special powers. It's just something that happened, said Charlie glumly. Whatever, Wogan said, waving his hand at Mosin. It doesn't answer the question. Why did it happen, Charlie? I don't know, Charlie replied. But I need you guys to help me find out. And Flora too. Oh no. Not Flora, please no. Mosen and Wogan groaned. Flora Fauna was Charlie's other best friend. She'll mess up everything. And she's scary, Mosen pleaded. She's not scary, Charlie argued half-heartedly. She's normal, he added, uncertainly. Wogan groaned again. Yeah, right, sure. Yeah, she's totally and completely 100% normal, Mosin scoffed. Well, she's our friend, and she's brave, Charlie pointed out. Mosen and Wogan could not disagree with that. She was easily the bravest of the four of them. Last summer, a bee had flown in through the window of the shed that they were all playing in. Charlie, Mosen and Wogan had run out screaming. Flora, ice cool, had picked up a cup and as calm as anything, trapped the bee against the window, picked up a piece of paper, slid it in between the window and the cup, and lifted the cup away with the bee trapped inside, walked slowly to the door, and let the bee out. Off to bee freedom. The boys had stood staring at her, in open-mouthed awe. Whenever there were bullies, Flora stepped in. Who had sorted it when some boys from the year above were taking Mosin's snack bar every break? Flora. She hadn't done anything violent. She merely sauntered up to the ringleader and whispered something in his ear. The boy had turned pale and immediately ran away. He never bothered Mosin again, and they never did find out what she whispered in his ear. Flora might be scary, but she was certainly brave. They needed Flora. And as they walked into the classroom, there she was, sitting happily by herself. Today, she was wearing five different coloured hairbands. Wedged in between the hairbands, poking their little furry heads out, were some little toy trolls. Flora dyed the hair of the little trolls black. Interlude
You might have noticed at this point that there has been no description of Charlie in this book. There are drawings of him in the book, but it doesn't actually look like that. It's what's called an artist's impression. That's somebody else's idea of what Charlie looks like. Maybe you think he looks totally different. Perhaps you have already imagined him in your head. Close your eyes and try to imagine what Charlie looks like. Actually, that's a silly idea. Don't close your eyes or, or else you won't be able to read the book. Leave your eyes completely wide open and try to imagine what Charlie looks like. Maybe you imagined he has blue eyes and blonde hair. Wrong! Maybe you imagined he was tall and strong with cool, sticky-up hair. Wrong! Maybe you imagined he has purple hair and a big furry moustache. Very wrong! You are all wrong. Apart from Evie Fairweather of 27 Wildebeest Street, Bumshufflington on Tweed. Well done, Evie. The truth is, he's all of these descriptions. Charlie looks however you want him to look. He might look like the face waving back at you out of the mirror. He might look like your brother. It doesn't really matter what I say he looks like. It's what he looks like in your mind that matters. So you go ahead and keep imagining Charlie however you want. I realise this will make dressing up as Charlie for fancy dress very difficult. So I will tell you one thing that is real about him. He has a scar on his forehead in the shape of a lightning bolt. What do you mean that's been done before? It's not easy thinking of books, you know. You try writing one. Anyway, back to chapter three. Chapter three continued. So, you're like Spider-Man, Flora said, frowning seriously. They were all sitting in the playground in a huddle near the wooden climbing frame. No, answered Charlie, slapping his forehead. We've been through this already. I was nothing like Spider-Man. I was a spider. I turned into a spider. Hmm, replied Flora, deep in thought. And you're sure you weren't dreaming? Of course I'm sure. Charlie said, clearly exasperated. I was nearly eaten by Chairman Meow. And this happened to you after you got back from the hospital? From visiting your brother? Yes, straight after. Hmm. Flora rubbed her chin, thinking hard. Hmm. What does mmm mean? It's a noise people make when they're thinking, Flora said in a... Do you really not know that voice? Have you never heard someone say, Yes, I know what hmm actually means. I meant, what did you mean when you mmmed? You mmmed twice. Oh, I see. Well, Flora replied, a knowing look on her face. I think I know what caused this. You do? Mosin said, wide-eyed. Mosin was often wide-eyed. You do, said Wogan, normal-eyed. You do, asked Charlie, narrow-eyed. Basically, there was a lot of eye action going on. I do, 
Sophius. Okay then, Mrs. Spartapants, what's going on? Mosin said, crossing his arms. So, Charlie, you changed into a spider straight after you were at the hospital, correct? Charlie nodded. Yep. Well, I think maybe when you went to see your brother, you sat on a needle and accidentally injected your bum with some kinds of crazy medicine. I sat on... If I sat on a needle and injected my bum with crazy medicine? Not necessarily, Mosen said gravely. I once had an injection on my bum and I hardly felt it. Exactly! Flora thumped her palm. That's completely crazy, Charlie shouted in disbelief. No more crazy than turning into a spider, Flora said quickly. Wogan and Mosen nodded solemnly in agreement. OK, so tell me one thing. Charlie held up a finger to illustrate his point. Just tell me one thing. Why would a hospital have crazy medicine that turns people into spiders? This question was met with silence. He has a point, said Mosen. Maybe, said Wogan, maybe it was a medicine that was supposed to turn spiders into people. I actually forget that. Well, I don't know, Flora held her hands up. It was just a suggestion. I think the only thing we can do is keep an eye on you as much as possible so we can pick you up and keep you safe if it happens again. And we definitely do not want this happening at the school play. In a few weeks, Charlie was due to take a starring role in the school play as Sad Potato, number one. Yes, that's right. Sad Potato, number one. Charlie groaned. Oh no, I hadn't even thought of that. What happens if I change into a spider in front of the whole school? Don't worry, Flora patted Charlie's hand reassuringly. It probably won't happen again. Yeah, I'm absolutely sure it won't happen again, but we should definitely keep an eye on you, said Mosen sensibly. You know, just in case. Except we can't do that when you're at home, so you'll have to tell your parents. I can't tell my parents, cried Charlie. I tried telling my mum, but she didn't believe me. And thinking about it, I don't want to tell them. They've got enough to worry about. Smooth Move's got his big scan coming up soon, and. They're pretty worried, I think. If it doesn't go well, then he'll have to have another operation and then and then he could be in hospital for ages more. Nobody replied for a moment. Look, said Flora, if you want to talk about it, we're all here for you. Mosen and Wogan nodded. No, replied Charlie quickly, blinking. Thanks. I'll just have to make sure that I shut my bedroom door if it happens again. So Chairman Meow and The Great Catsby. The Great Catsby was Charlie's other cat, but he was incredibly lazy and did nothing except eat and sit in a cardboard box on top of the small fridge in the kitchen. The Great Catsby was highly unlikely to leave his box, never mind run upstairs to eat a spider. So Chairman Meow or the Great Catsby don't get in. All agreed 
this was a very sensible course of action. But in fact, Charlie needn't have worried about turning into a spider at home again. What he should have been worrying about was turning into a pigeon at school. Because that's exactly what happened a few days later. All had been quiet for a week or so. Charlie hadn't changed into any animals. School was still school. His parents were still parenting. Smooth Move was still in hospital waiting for his scan. Mosin and Wogan were still slightly scared of Flora. But on a slow Wednesday afternoon, during a times tables test, it happened again. Hey! Charlie! This was Dylan. Dylan van der Groener was the class bully, and he hated Charlie more than anyone else in the school. Hey, Charlie! Dylan whispered again loudly. What? Charlie whispered back, knowing what was coming because he was talking to Dylan, and Dylan never said anything nice to anybody. You smell like a frog's bum. Dylan sniggered to himself. No, I don't. Anyway, what does a frog's bum smell like? Might smell nice for all you know. Even as Charlie was saying that, he realised it probably wasn't the smartest comeback. Hey, Teddy! Dylan hissed at the boy next to him. Teddy was Dylan's best friend, and he had a large house, and his mum drove a big Range Rover. But Teddy wasn't ever allowed to call her mum. Teddy had to call her by her name, Lulu. Charlie thinks frog bums smell nice. Charlie sniffs frog bums. Teddy burst out laughing. What is the meaning of this you are doing, a test and I asked for silence? That was the teacher, Mr Wind. Arthur Wind was really old, 40-something, and he had grey hair and was pretty nice most of the time. Apart from, A, whenever his football team, Birmingham United, lost, B, whenever Miss Fire, the head teacher, was off sick, C, whenever people laughed during a test while he was on his phone sending text messages Possibly text messages to Misfire, but we can't be certain about that. They were doing a test, and Mr Wind was on his phone. You know I asked for silence, but I can hear giggling. What on earth is going on? Whenever Mr Wind was angry, he spoke very fast and without punctuation. What he actually said was, You know I asked for silence. But I can hear giggling. What on earth is going on? 
none of the children said anything in reply. The next peep I hear out of anyone will have them sent quick sharp to Miss Fire to explain themselves. Miss Fire was tall, well dressed, and huge haired. When she smiled, which she only ever did just before she was about to explode with fury, her cold lips revealed vast pale gums and intimidating slabs of teeth. They were teeth designed for pulling chunks of meat off thigh bones. Her office was always warm and stuffy, which made sweat prickle down children's backs as they stood anxiously waiting for her to speak. The oppressive heat was also perfect for the many orchid plants that were dotted around her office. The orchids were Miss Fire's babies, and she seemed to care an awful lot more for them than she did for the children in her school. The heat and the orchids gave the office something of a jungle feel, steamy and pleasant, and somewhere you'd be lucky to get out of alive. A moment later, something hit Charlie on the back of the head. Whatever it was, another one came, pranged off his ear and landed on the floor. It was a paper missile. Another one hit his neck. Dylan was pinging paper missiles at him, using a rubber band as a catapult. Charlie swung round. Cut it out, Dylan, he whispered. Dylan grinned at him, a grin that said, I'm not really going to cut it out, but thanks for the feedback. Charlie turned back to his test again. A few seconds later, another missile hit. Just cut it out, Charlie whispered, but just that little bit too loudly. Right, who was that? shouted Mr Wind. As quick as a flash came the reply from Dylan. It was Charlie, sir. He's trying to distract me. Right, Charles McGuffin, I warned you, you know the way to Miss Fire's office. Charlie tried protesting. But sir, now, McGuffin, Mr Wind pointed to the door. Charlie really tried, but he couldn't help the prickling in his eyes turning to tears as he walked to the door. He risked a glance at Flora, who gave him a sympathetic smile. And that was it. The tears started flowing. As he shut the door behind him, he could feel Dylan's smug smile burning into him. Charlie's head hung low as he trudged down the corridor. Being sent to Miss Fire meant a letter home to his parents. They had enough to worry about with his brother, and now he was in deep trouble at school. He could already see the disappointment in their eyes. The thought made his stomach squirm and his heart begin to pound. And that's when his left eye started twitching. Charlie didn't think anything of it until the twitch spread to his other eye. Then, with a surge of horror, he realised what was coming. He was changing again. The feeling burst through his whole body like an electric flower. It exploded inside him. Every part of his body was aflame, 
but with a fire that was squeezed and crushed through his arteries and veins and back out through every pore of his skin. With considerable alarm, Charlie saw he was growing feathers. Feathers! And the floor was coming towards him fast, which meant he was getting smaller. His legs were growing skinny, and attached to the bottom of his skinny legs were red feet. And with a flap, he saw he had wings. He had wings! A scream suddenly pierced his ears. Miss Fire was striding towards him, a look of total disgust on her face. Charlie flapped in panic, and Miss Fire gave another squeal of disgust. She had her arms spread, trying to corner him. A door suddenly opened next to him. It was Maisie Wand from 1F, and as soon as she saw Bird Charlie, she ran off down the corridor, screaming. The door was swinging closed, but Charlie saw his opportunity and flapped his way through. It was a bathroom. With another flap, Charlie hopped onto the edge of the sink. And there, reflecting back at Charlie from the mirror, was a bird. A plump, grey bird with an iridescent purple and green neck. Charlie was a pigeon. The door burst open and Miss Fire stalked in, edging round Charlie to open the window. Then she started waving her arms at Charlie, trying to force him out. Charlie didn't need any more encouragement. With one beat of his wings, he was at the window, and with another, he was out and into the playground. He was free. He had escaped. He was a pigeon! Settling on the tarmac, Charlie bobbed uncertainly forward, unsure of what to do with himself. Before he had time to gather his thoughts, a startling flap of wings nearby made him jump out of his feathers. Another pigeon had landed next to him. It was pacing back and forth around him, head bobbing, neck feathers glinting in the sunshine. It had gnarled toes and one foot was just a stump, like a lump of popcorn. Its eyes, little black holes in burnt orange were, and Charlie could not mistake this, staring right at him. The pigeon cooed, deep and low, and to Charlie's utter shock, he realised it was talking to him. He could understand Pigeon! And the first words that he heard the other Pigeon say were, Hello, you beautiful, delightful little Pigeon. My name is Jean-Claude. I am a Pigeon. I am in love with you. Charlie wasn't sure he heard him right. I beg your pardon? Charlie replied. He actually cooed, which came as something of a surprise to Charlie. I said, my name is Jean-Claude, the pigeon, and I am in love with you. You are the most beautiful pigeon I have ever seen in the last minute. Charlie was beginning to wish he did not understand pigeons. But, but, Charlie stammered, edging away from Jean-Claude. Do not butt me, mon petit pigeon, Jean-Claude cooed, edging closer. Ours is a love that pigeons will talk of for many years, 
It is a story as old as time. Oh, look, what is this, a spy? Jean-Claude eyed the ground beadily. It is a delicious, tasty morsel of food. Jean-Claude pecked at something and chewed it for a few moments. It was a small piece of gravel. Ah, perhaps not so delicious after all. Not as delicious as you, my beautiful, delectable pigeon. Now fly away with me. But we've only just met, Charlie cooed in alarm. Ah, but what is time? Time is an illusion. It is capricious like... Oh, look! Jean-Claude eyed the ground again. A delicious and tasty morsel of food. Jean-Claude pecked at something. It was an old piece of chewing gum that stuck to his beak. A small battle ensued as Jean-Claude attempted to dislodge the gum. Finally, he succeeded. I said, ah, perhaps it's not so tasty after all. He flapped his foot frantically at the gum and now it was stuck to the end of his claw. No matter, we have wasted enough time. We must make haste. Another flap of wings startled Charlie and Jean-Claude. It was a second pigeon. This one was grimy looking with greasy feathers and he was looking right at Charlie with a beady look in his eye and a greedy look on his beak. Bonjour. My name is Antoine. I am a pigeon and I am in love with you, my feathery little pigeon. Oh, for goodness sake, Charlie exclaimed. I am also looking out for small pieces of food. I am particularly looking for crumbs, Antoine the pigeon said. A back of Antoine, this pigeon is mine, Jean-Claude flapped angrily. We have been in love for minutes and any crumbs in this particular region are mine too. Antoine bustled. Monsieur, you are not the emperor of crumbs. You are not the emperor of this exquisite pigeon's art, for it is I, Antoine de Pigeon, pecker of crumbs, and... At that, a sudden flop of wings denounced the arrival of... You guessed it, another pigeon. Did somebody mention crumbs? I am... Oh, Zutalor! The new pigeon bobbed towards Charlie. But who are you? What a fun example of pigeon you are. We must fly away together, you and I. Our love like ours cannot wait, but first we must eat crumbs. Stay away, new pigeon. This beautiful pigeon and all crumbs in this general area are mine. Jean-Claude flapped excitedly. How dare you? Antoine cooed, puffing out his chest. This is my pigeon. But I am prepared to discuss sharing of the crumbs in this general area. As a heated argument began to break out, Charlie took the opportunity to escape. He walked away, head bobbing, edging as slyly as possible away from the bickering pigeons. He had made it a few metres without getting noticed, and then all the pigeons turned as one. 
Do not go, I am a foolish lobster pigeon. We must fly away together, you and I, to pigeon paradise. The three pigeons strutted menacingly towards Charlie. Charlie bobbed backwards away from them. They strutted quicker, circling him now. Charlie panicked, as Charlie usually did these days, and he flapped his wings. He lifted into the air. He flapped more and rose higher. But the other pigeons took flight too. Come back, we fly together, they called in unison. Charlie beat his wings harder, rising above the school now. The others followed, though flying round Charlie, trying to force him down. Charlie pushed his way through the circling pigeons, climbing higher still. Some crumbs, cried Antoine suddenly. I'm certain I see some crumbs of food in the general area below. We must peck at the delicious crumbs, chorused the other pigeons in reply. And with that, all three pigeons flew to the ground and began pecking, leaving Charlie flying alone. He was flying. Charlie was flying! With a rush of joy and surprise, he realised he was soaring way above the school now. He beat his wings harder, the wind whistling through his feathers. Higher and higher, Charlie flew, so free his heart bursting with happiness. Silence. The rush of traffic was gone, and there was just the sound of the gentle breeze lifting him. Charlie had never felt so exhilarated in his life. Below him he felt, rather than saw, a map, a magnetic map, a rippling field gently pulling him one way, then another. Higher he flew, towards thick white clouds. The air smelled icy and crisp. Far below him the town looked tiny. Fields stretched away towards the horizon. The earth curved gently in the distance. Charlie hung there, softly beating his wings, suspended by the flowing currents in the air a mile above the ground. It was therefore perhaps the worst possible time to feel a charge of electricity shoot through him, a charge of electricity that could only mean one thing. Charlie was changing. Back into a boy a mile above the ground. This time, Charlie had no time to panic. He knew he had to do something and do it very, very, very quickly. He folded his wings, pointed his beak at the ground and started diving as fast as he could. Down he plummeted, his eyes streaming. 500 metres to go. He could feel his face changing, his feet changing. There was the school screaming towards him. 300 metres. He felt his feathers disappearing. Close to the ground, hurtling down, he had to slow himself or the crash would be the last thing he ever did. 200 metres to go. He opened his wings, tried slowing himself and pulled out of the dive. 100 metres. A lurch upwards. 50 metres. He could feel his wings vanishing. 25 metres. Had to land. Had to. Charlie crashed on the ground and rolled, and then just lay there, looking up at the sky he had just been flying in. 
He wasn't quite sure if he was still alive. He seemed to be. He could see the clouds rolling across the sky and his bum hurt where he'd landed on it. But he was breathing. He tried sitting up. He was just about okay. He looked around. By some miracle, he had landed in the school field, not far from the bike and scooter rack. Charles McGuffin, what do you think you are doing out here? A shout came from an open door, and the shout came from Miss Fire, hands on her hips, her wild bonnet of hair getting wilder by the second. Come on, boy, get up! What on earth are you doing just sitting there on the ground? Where have you been? Mr Wind sent you to my office ages ago. You are in very serious trouble, young man. Come with me now. Half an hour later, Charlie was walking back into his class. Miss Fire's furious telling off ringing in his ears and a punishment letter in his pocket, which his parents had to sign. The thought of taking home the news of how much trouble he was in, even more since the pigeon incident, was making him feel sick. His mum and dad had enough problems without him adding to them. He'd let them down. He couldn't help it. He could feel the tears coming again. It didn't help that Dylan was staring at him with a look on his face that was a mixture of gloating and disbelief. Wogan, Mosen and Flora were looking at him too, clearly wondering what had happened. He'd tell them later. Charlie slumped to his desk, staring at the whiteboard, trying to hide his face as tears began to trickle down his cheeks for the second time that day. That was another Tell-A-Tale Pod production. Remember that you can follow, share and find more of our podcasts at tellatalepod.podbean.com And if you really like the podcast, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash tellatalepod.com